Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs. Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. I hope you guys have all had a great week and that you are all thoroughly enjoying the variety of episodes that we are posting here on the podcast. It has been so much fun coming up with new story ideas and posting all these very cool interviews. Uh, I'm particularly fond of the polyamory episode that we posted last week, and I hope you guys are really enjoying listening to that one. So, This week, we actually have a slight change of plans. For the first time, uh, Dave and I found ourselves without an interview to use. We have some on the back burner, but they still need some work. And so I got to indulge myself in this particular episode and read some of my favorite childhood stories by the one and only Beatrix Potter. I know this sounds kind of odd, but a friend of mine pointed out Uh, the other night, you know, it's great to listen to stories, you know, when we're mindlessly doing stuff. So anyway, Allison and friends, this one's for you. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, And I want to send a huge shout out and thanks to the wonderful organization um, called the Project Gutenberg, or just Project Gutenberg, I should say. Gutenberg, named after the gentleman who invented the printing press. And if you go to gutenberg.org, spelled G-U-T-E-N-B-E-R-G.org, they have enormous amounts of free ebooks and stories that are downloaded. They're downloadable, both as ebooks and then also readable in HTML. And they say this particular uh, description that I'm looking at. Um, they state at the beginning of all of them, this ebook is for the use of anyone anywhere at no cost and with almost no restrictions whatsoever. You may copy it, give it away, or reuse it under the terms of the Project Gutenberg license included with this ebook or online at www.gutenberg.net, which is oddly different from gutenberg.org, but I'm sure they've got their stuff together. Anyway, I highly recommend checking it out. So before we dive into the stories, I chose four particular stories, and I will announce them as each bit comes up, along with the year that they were written. Um, I just wanted to say it's really funny going through all of these stories and rereading them, uh, both silently and then aloud for the recordings. Um, It's sort of funny on a few different fronts. Um, For starters, I grew up reading Beatrix Potter books. There was something about the magicalness of them and the whimsicality especially of the illustrations and the creativity of the stories that absolutely captured my heart and I loved reading these books and um, I'm sure well I hope many of you out there have had the same pleasure but I want to encourage each and every one of you to go on either on gutenberg.org or go into your local bookstore and check out some of these wonderful whimsical illustrations. Beatrix Potter both 
wrote and illustrated all of the stories and they are just they're wonderful um they're just it captures so much and the stories may seem a little dry or a little funny but they are made all the richer by illustration and i apologize that this is not a video podcast otherwise i would totally read like second grade story time by a librarian but that's for another episode for another day (laughs) anyway i hope you guys enjoy and i do apologize for a handful of flubs uh, that I experienced while recording each of the stories. Um, the older Eng- British English of the stories really did a number on my eyeballs. So despite rehearsing, I still managed to uh, get a little tripped up. Anyway, so please be in touch with us. Lunchwithlegs at gmail.com if you like this, if you have any episode ideas. If you want to sponsor us, hey, awesome. This is not a free enterprise for myself and my intrepid producer, Mr. David Lawrence Bird. We have a donation button on our website. Uh, If you go to legsmalone.com backslash lunchwithlegs, you will find all of the information there, as well as the PayPal button. You can also support us through visiting amazon.com of all places. But it's super important that you click on Joe Boob's Burlesque Handbook. The image, again, is located just below the PayPal button at legsmalone.com backslash lunchwithlegs. And any and all purchases that you make on Amazon after accessing the portal through our website will give us a kickback. So if you can't afford, you know, a PayPal donation, but you'd be down to, you know, share with us the riches of whatever you're purchasing on Amazon, be it a book, a CD, a toy of some sort, adult or otherwise, um, we would be most grateful. And that would be super, super, super rad. Anyway, folks, all right, on with today's episode. So go ahead, get real comfy, sit down, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for four different tales by the one, the only, Beatrix Potter. The Tale of Jemima Puddle Duck by Beatrix Potter, written in 1908. A farmyard tale for Ralph and Betsy. What a funny sight it is to see a brood of ducklings with a hen. Listen to the story of Jemima Puddle Duck who was annoyed because the farmer's wife would not let her hatch her own eggs. Her sister-in-law, Mrs. Rebecca Puddleduck, was perfectly willing to leave the hatching to someone else. I have not the patience to sit on a nest for twenty-eight days, and no more have you, Jemima. You would let them go cold. You know you would. I wish to hatch my own eggs. I will hatch them all by myself, quacked Jemima Puddleduck. She tried to hide her eggs, but they were always found and carried off. Jemima Puddle Duck became quite desperate. She determined to make a nest right away from the farm. She set off on a fine spring afternoon along the cart road that leads over the hill. She was wearing a shawl and a poke bonnet. And narrator's note, the shawl and the poke bonnet are absolutely adorable. You guys should check out the illustrations. When she reached the top of the hill, she saw a wood in the distance. She thought that it looked a safe, quiet spot. Jemima Puddleduck was not much in the habit of flying. She ran downhill a few yards, flapping her shawl, and then she jumped off into the air. She flew beautifully when she had got a good start. 
She skimmed along over the treetops until she saw an open place in the middle of the wood where the trees and brushwood had been cleared. Jemima alighted rather heavily and began to waddle about in search of a convenient dry nesting place. She rather fancied a tree stump among some tall foxgloves. But, seated upon the stump, she was startled to find an elegantly dressed gentleman reading a newspaper. He had black prick ears and sandy-colored whiskers. Narrator's note, it's totally a fox. Quack, said Jemima Puddle Duck, with her head and her bonnet on one side. Quack. The gentleman raised his eyes above his newspaper and looked curiously at Jemima. Madam, have you lost your way? said he. He had a long, bushy tail, which he was sitting upon, as the stump was somewhat damp. Jemima thought him mighty civil and handsome. She explained that she had not lost her way, but that she was trying to find a convenient dry nesting place. Ah, is that so? Indeed, said the gentleman with sandy whiskers, looking curiously at Jemima. He folded up the newspaper and put it in his coat-tail pocket. Jemima complained of the superfluous hen. Indeed, how interesting. I wish I could meet with that fowl. I would teach it to mind its own business. But, as to nest, there is no difficulty. I have a sack full of feathers in my woodshed. No, my dear madam, you will not be in anyone's way. You may sit there as long as you like, said the bushy long-tailed gentleman. He led the way to a very retired, dismal-looking house amongst the foxgloves. It was built of faggots, which are twigs, and turf, and there were two broken pails, one on top of the other, by way of a chimney. This is my summer residence. You would not find my earth, my winter house, so convenient, said the hospitable gentleman. There was a tumble-down shed at the back of the house, made of old soap boxes. The gentleman opened the door and showed Jemima in. The shed was almost quite full of feathers. It was almost suffocating, but it was comfortable and very soft. Jemima Puddle Duck was rather surprised to find such a vast quantity of feathers, but it was very comfortable, and she made a nest without any trouble at all. When she came out, the sandy-whiskered gentleman was sitting on a log, reading the newspaper. At least he had it spread out, but he was looking over the top of it. He was so polite that he seemed almost sorry to let Jemima go home for the next night. He promised to take great care of her nest until she came back again the next day. He said he loved eggs and ducklings, and he should be proud to find, to see a fine nestful in his woodshed. Jemima Puddle Duck came every afternoon. She laid nine eggs in the nest. They were greeny-white and very large. The foxy gentleman admired them immensely, he used to turn them over and count them when Jemima was not there. At last, Jemima told him that she intended to begin to sit the next day, and I will bring a bag of corn with me so that I never need to leave my nest until the eggs are hatched. They might catch cold, said the conscientious Jemima. Madam, I beg you not to trouble yourself with a bag. I will provide oats. But before you commence your tedious sitting, I intend to give you a treat. Let us have a dinner party all to ourselves. May I ask you to bring some herbs up from the farm garden to make a savory omelet, sage and thyme and mint and two onions and some parsley? I will provide lard for the stuff, lard for the omelet, 
said the hospitable gentleman with sandy whiskers. Jemima Puddleduck was a simpleton. Not even the mention of sage and onions made her suspicious. She went round the farm garden, nibbling off snippets of all the different sorts of herbs that are used for stuffing roast duck. And she waddled into the kitchen and got two onions out of a basket. The collie dog Kep met her coming out. What are you doing with those onions? Where do you go every afternoon by yourself, Jemima Puddleduck? Jemima was rather in awe of the collie. She told him the whole story. The collie listened, with his wise head on one side. He grinned when she described the polite gentleman with sandy whiskers. He asked several questions about the wood and the exact position of the house and shed. Then he went out and trotted down the village. He went to look for two foxhound puppies who were out on a walk with the butcher. Jemima Puddleduck went up the cart road for the last time on a sunny afternoon. She was rather burdened with bunches of herbs and two onions in a bag. She flew over the wood and alighted opposite the house of the bushy, long-tailed gentleman. He was sitting on a log. He sniffed the air and kept glancing uneasily round the wood. When Jemima alighted, he quite jumped. "'Come into the house, as soon as you've looked at your eggs. Give me the herbs for the omelette. Be sharp.' He was rather abrupt. Jemima Puddleduck had never heard him speak like that. She felt surprised and uncomfortable. While she was inside, she heard pattering feet round the back of the shed. Someone with a black nose sniffed at the bottom of the door and then locked it. Jemima became much alarmed. A moment afterwards, there were the most awful noises, barking, begging, growls and howls, squealings and groans, and nothing more was ever seen of that foxy, foxy whiskered gentleman. Presently, Kep opened the door of the shed and let out Jemima Puddleduck. Unfortunately, the puppies rushed in and gobbled up all the eggs before he could stop them. He had a bite on his ear, and both the puppies were limping. Jemima Puddleduck was escorted home in tears on account of those eggs. She laid some more in June, and she was permitted to keep them herself, but only four of them hatched. Jemima Puddleduck said that it was because of her nerves, but she had always been a bad sitter. The Tale of Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter Written in 1902 Once upon a time there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank underneath the root of a very big fir tree. Now, my dears, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane, but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there. He was put in a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Now run along and don't get into mischief. I am going out. Then old Mrs. Rabbit took a basket and her umbrella and went through the wood to the baker's. She bought a loaf of brown bread and five currant buns. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail, who were good little bunnies, went down the lane to gather blackberries. But Peter, who was very naughty, ran straight away to Mr. McGregor's garden and squeezed under the gate. First he ate some lettuces and some French beans, and then he ate some radishes. And then, feeling rather sick, he went to look for some parsley. But round the end of a cucumber frame, who should he meet but Mr. McGregor? Mr. McGregor was on his hands and knees planting out young cabbages, 
but he jumped up and ran after Peter, waving a rake and calling out, Stop, thief! Peter was most dreadfully frightened. He rushed all over the garden, for he had forgotten the way back to the gate. He lost one of his shoes among the cabbages and the other shoe amongst the potatoes. After losing them, he ran on four legs and went faster, so that I think he might have gotten away altogether if he had not unfortunately run into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket. It was a blue jacket with brass buttons, quite new. Peter gave himself up for lost and shed big tears, but his sobs were overheard by some friendly sparrows who flew to him in great excitement and implored him to exert himself. Mr. McGregor came up with a sieve, which he intended to pop upon the top of Peter, but Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him, and rushed into a tool shed and jumped into a can. It would have been a beautiful thing to hide in if it had not had so much water in it. Mr. McGregor was quite sure that Peter was somewhere in the tool shed, perhaps hidden underneath a flower pot. He began to turn them over carefully, looking under each. Presently, Peter sneezed. Curtishoo! Mr. McGregor was after him in no time, and tried put, to put his foot upon Peter, who jumped out of a window, upsetting three plants. The window was too small for Mr. McGregor, and he was tired of running after Peter. He went back to work. Presently, Peter sat down to rest. He was out of breath and trembling with fright, and he had not the least idea which way to go. Also, he was very damp with sitting in that can. After a time, he began to wander about, going lippity-lippity, not very fast, looking all around. He found a door in a wall, but it was locked, and there was no room for a fat little rabbit to squeeze underneath. An old mouse was running in and out over the stone doorstep, carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood. Peter asked her the way to the gate, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She only shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Then he tried to find his way straight across the garden, but he present I'm sorry, became more and more puzzled. Presently, he came to a pond where Mr. McGregor filled his water cans. A white cat was staring at some goldfish. She sat very, very still. But now and then, the tip of her tail twitched as if it were alive. Peter thought it best to go away without speaking to her. He had heard about cats from his cousin, little Benjamin Bunny. He went back toward the tool shed, but quite, sorry, but suddenly, quite close to him, he heard the noise of a hoe. Scritch, scratch, scratch, scritch. Peter scuttered underneath the bushes, but presently, as nothing happened, he came out and climbed upon a wheelbarrow and peeped over. The first thing he saw was Mr. McGregor hoeing onions. His back was turned towards Peter, and beyond him was the gate. Peter got down very quietly off the wheelbarrow and started running as fast as he could go along a straight walk behind some black currant bushes. Mr. McGregor caught sight of him at the corner, but Peter did not care. He slipped underneath the gate and was safe at last in the wood outside the garden. Mr. McGregor hung up the little jacket and shoes for a scarecrow to frighten the blackbirds. Frighten the blackbirds, rather. Peter never stopped running or looked behind him till he got home to the big fir tree. 
He was so tired that he flopped down upon the nice soft sand on the floor of the rabbit hole and shut his eyes. His mother was busy cooking. She wondered what he had done with his clothes. It was the second jacket and pair of shoes that Peter had lost in a fortnight. I am very sorry to say that Peter was not well during the evening. His mother put him to bed and made some chamomile tea, and she gave a dose of it to Peter, one tablespoonful to be taken at bedtime. But Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail had bread and milk and blackberries for supper. The end. The Tale of Benjamin Bunny by Beatrix Potter Written in 1904 For the Children of Sorry from Old Mr. Bunny One morning, a little rabbit sat on a bank. He pricked his ears and listened to the trit-trot, trit-trot of a pony. A gig was coming along the road. It was driven by Mr. McGregor, and beside him sat Mrs. McGregor in her best bonnet. As soon as they had passed, little Benjamin Bunny slid down into the road and set off, with a hop, skip, and a jump, to call upon his relationships—oh, my lord, relations, sorry—who lived in the wood at the back of Mr. McGregor's garden. That wood was full of rabbit holes, and in the neatest, sandiest hole of all lived Benjamin's aunt and his cousins, Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. Old Mrs. Rabbit was a widow. She earned her living by knitting rabbit wool mittens and muffetees. I once bought a pair at a bazaar. She also sold herbs and rosemary tea and rabbit tobacco, which is what we call lavender. Little Benjamin did not very much want to see his aunt. He came round the back of the fir tree and nearly tumbled upon the top of his cousin Peter. Peter was sitting by himself. He looked poorly and was dressed in a red cotton pocket handkerchief. Peter, said little Benjamin in a whisper, who has got your clothes? Peter replied, the scarecrow in Mr. McGregor's garden, and described how he had been chased about the garden and had dropped his shoes and coat. Little Benjamin sat down beside his cousin and assured him that Mr. McGregor had gone out in a gig, and Mrs. McGregor also, certainly for the day, because she was wearing her best bonnet. Peter said that he hoped it would rain. At this point, old Mrs. Rabbit's voice was heard inside the rabbit hole calling, Cottontail! Cottontail! Fetch me some more chamomile. Peter said he thought he might feel better if he went for a walk. Then he went away hand in hand with Benjamin and got up on the flat top of the wall at the bottom of the wood. From here they looked down into Mr. McGregor's garden. Peter's coat and shoes were plainly to be seen upon the scarecrow, topped with an old tam-o'-shanter of Mr. McGregor's. Little Benjamin said, It spoils people's clothes to squeeze under a gate. The proper way to get down is to climb down a pear tree. Peter fell down head first, but it was of no consequence, as the bed below was newly raked and quite soft. It had been sewn with lettuces. They left a great many odd little footmarks all over the bed, especially little Benjamin, who was wearing clogs. Little Benjamin said that the first thing that should needed to be done was to get back Peter's clothes in order that they might be able to use the pocket handkerchief. They took, off, they took them off the scarecrow. There had been some rain during the night. There was water in the shoes, and the coat was somewhat shrunk. Benjamin tried on the tam-o'-shanter, but it was too big for him. Then he suggested that they should fill the pocket handkerchief with onions as a little present for his aunt. Peter did not seem to be enjoying himself. He kept hearing noises. 
Benjamin, on the contrary, was perfectly at home and ate a lettuce leaf. He said that he was in the habit of coming to the garden with his father to get lettuces for their Sunday's dinner. The name of little Benjamin's papa was Old Mr. Benjamin Bunny. The lettuces certainly were very fine. Peter did not eat anything. He said he should like to go home. Presently, he dropped half the onions. Little Benjamin said that it was not possible to get back up the pear tree with a load of vegetables. He led the way boldly towards the other end of the garden. They went along a little walk on planks under a sunny red brick wall. The mice sat on their doorsteps, cracking cherry stones. They winked at Peter Rabbit and Little Benjamin Bunny. Presently, Peter let the pocket handkerchief go again. They got amongst flower pots and frames and tubs. Peter heard noises worse than ever. His eyes were as big as lollipops. There was a step or two in front of his cousin when he suddenly stopped. This is what those little rabbits saw around that corner. By the way, it's a cat. You can't see the picture, but it's really cute. It's totally a cat. Little Benjamin took one look, and then in half a minute, less than no time, he hid himself and Peter and the onions underneath a large basket. The cat got up and stretched herself, and came and sniffed at the basket. Perhaps she liked the smell of onions. Anyway, she sat down on top of the basket. She sat there for five hours. I cannot draw you a picture of Peter and Benjamin underneath the basket, because it was quite dark, and because the smell of onions was fearful, it made Peter Rabbit and Benjamin cry. The sun got round behind the wood, and it was quite late in the afternoon, but still the cat sat upon the basket. At length there was a pitter-patter, pitter-patter, and some bits of mortar fell from the wall above. The cat looked up and saw old Mr. Benjamin Bunny prancing along the top of the wall of the upper terrace. He was smoking a pipe of rabbit tobacco and had a little switch in his hand. He was looking for his son. Old Mr. Bunny had no opinion whatever of cats. He took a tremendous jump off the top of the wall and on top of the cat and cuffed it off the basket and kicked it into the greenhouse, scratching off a handful of fur. The cat was much too surprised to scratch back. When old Mr. Bunny had driven the cat into the greenhouse, he locked the door. Then he came back to the basket and took out his son Benjamin by the ears and whipped him with the little switch. Then he took out his nephew Peter. He then took out the handkerchief of onions and marched out of the garden. When Mr. McGregor returned about a half hour later, he observed several things which perplexed him. It looked as though some person had been walking all over the garden in a pair of clogs, only the footmarks were too ridiculously little. Also, he could not understand how the cat could have managed to shut herself up inside the greenhouse, locking the door upon the outside. When Peter got home, his mother forgave him, because she was so glad to see that he had found his shoes and coat. Cottontail and Peter folded them up, I'm sorry, folded up the pocket handkerchief, and old Mrs. Rabbit strung up the onions and hung them from the kitchen ceiling with the bunches of herbs and the rabbit tobacco. The end. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed my lightly butchered reading of Beatrix Potter's stories. Again, please go to gutenberg.org to check out all of these super cool uh, stories and the like. And uh, 
absolutely go support a local bookstore. I know I was shilling Amazon.com in the beginning of this episode. By all means, do what you need to do at Amazon.com. I know it's a fabulous website that gives a lot of great deals on some really cool stuff, but please, please, please remember to shop locally. And you can go to your local bookstore, and if they don't have any books by Beatrix Potter, go ahead and order some. They make amazing gifts for young kids, as well as anybody who really likes whimsical, sweet stories. Um, You know, not without their own drama. (laughs) It will never fail to amaze me how creepy old-school children's books are. But anyway, there you go. That's life. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I wish you an absolutely wonderful week, and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode. Lots of love, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you real soon. Bye.